Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Spirit Cabinet. Today I was inspired to talk about self-care for mediums. Self-care I think is important for everyone, but specifically from a mediumship perspective, there have just been things on my mind and of course um, I don't ever really like to force a podcast, which is why I probably only publish one every few months or so, things sort of have to be inspired. And this was the topic that was sort of on my mind, on my spirit to talk about. So I think a lot of people who are in a path of service, any type of service, but especially of spiritual service, be they a psychic, a medium, a Reiki practitioner, an energy healer, a life coach, a counselor, whatever. Um, There is a certain degree of giving, 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 and helping, 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 which is phenomenal. I I think, you know, it may have been uh, Silver Birch that said there's no greater religion than that of service. But one of the traps that spirit workers tend to fall into is giving until they're burnout. And I know that burnout is something that I've struggled with a lot um, since really, since the pandemic. And I think that a lot of the circumstances of that really just kind of exacerbated things, but the makings of that were kind of already in effect before COVID came into the world. Now, when it comes to being a medium or uh, any type of reader or healer or spirit worker, one of the things that I think is really important for us to take into consideration is the sustainability of our offerings. And our offerings are intrinsically linked with our energy, our vitality, um our life force, whatever you want to call it. And if you think about the Victorian era being the time where, you know, we think of the golden age of mediumship when some of the best examples or the best embodiments of both, um, you know, mental mediumship, evidential trance, and physical mediumship existed, those mediums were not for the most part, making a living off of their gift. It was something that was done in addition to some sort of regular earthly job. Um, And as I said, there's always the exceptions, but even, even if that was the case, these aren't people who are seeing, you know, five clients, 10 clients a day. I do not think that that is healthy, and I do not think that that is sustainable. And I do not think that that is what the gift is for, which is why if any of you follow my my work, I have noticed that over the past year or two, I have significantly cut down on my availability. And honestly, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. So for those of you who maybe don't know my background or, or my story, I started reading professionally when I was 16. I'm now uh, nearly 35 next month. So I've been at it for a while, even though I'm, I'm still fairly young. And um, from the time I was 16 
I was like the it reader at psychic fairs um, because everyone wanted to see like the young boy psychic do his thing. Um, and so psychic fairs and metaphysical shops and things like that kind of pimped me out. And it was, I had a lot of fun with it and I enjoyed it. And there was a lot of, a lot of passion with it. Um, in 2012, I, I was living in New Mexico. I moved back to Ohio. Um, and that's when I decided to kind of go go full-time into the world of mediumship. And um, I would, on average, see a minimum of, of probably eight people a week. Uh, I would usually do three phone readings on Monday. I would do three or four phone or three or four in-person readings on Friday. I was going to expos on weekends. On top of this all, I was managing a metaphysical shop. And in one sense, managing a metaphysical shop is not um, necessarily uh, physically laborious, but there is a lot that goes into it, a lot more than I think people realize from dealing with customers, phone, emails, placing orders, um, receiving orders, putting out new product, entering inventory into the computer, all of this sort of stuff uh, on top of doing clients. So um, I was always working. And even after I would close up shop throughout the week, I would take appointments after store hours. So I was just, I was a reading machine. And at that point in my life, I would say I was at like my prime, I was like at the peak of my game. Um, not to make myself sound like I'm 100 years old, but uh, energetically, I was very much sort of in my prime at that particular period. Uh, and I found that around 2020, I went into a severe burnout, my confidence crashed, um, you know, a lot of doubt creeped in, um, certain anxieties came up. And I realized it was because on a fundamental level, I was not engaging in self-care. And I was not taking into consideration the sustainability of my offerings. And I think part of self-care is realizing that we are body, mind, and spirit. Obviously, people have been saying that forever. Um, But I noticed that for myself and for a lot of other spirit workers, we tend to be very spirit and mind dominant and neglect the body as to where you might say muggles tend to be very mind body dominant and neglect the spirit. One is not better than the other. Just because you're spiritual, if you're still neglecting one aspect of the of the tripod of the stool, you're still doing yourself a disservice and ultimately detracting from the service that you can offer to others. One of the ways in which that particular imbalance manifested in my life is uh, through food. So I would say that I'm fairly active and that I enjoy walking a lot. Um, you know, with my with my work, there's often uh, loading and unloading boxes and products and all sorts of stuff like that. So it's not the, the physical side of the body. Um, but it was food. It was nutrition. And I know that for myself, my issues around food stemmed back to being 17 and being closeted and gay and 
somehow that manifested itself into an eating disorder, um, which took quite a few years to get past. And I realized that even even though today I can honestly say I, I don't have an eating disorder, I can still recognize some of the pangs of the thought that maybe contributed to the eating disorder in the first place. Um, also, you know, I, I live alone. I'm not necessarily a cook. I'm tired, you know, so a lot of us, we uh, open up a, a can of soup or ramen noodles or, you know, run through the drive through somewhere. And I see this a lot with psychics and mediums. You know, for example, say you are somewhere where you are maybe doing readings uh, for a day out of a shop or a commercial space. Lots of mediums know that you don't want to eat a super heavy meal before you're doing sessions. It just makes you feel heavy. It makes you feel just sort of bogged down. Um, Most of the time you'll notice too, if you're a reader, that when you are reading, you don't notice that you're hungry um, because you're in a different energy. But once the readings are done and the body and the energy kind of resume their baseline state, then all of a sudden... 30 minutes from, you know, finishing your last session, the uh, hunger, the intense hunger hits. And, you know, some people even theorize and have said, some of the the psychical researchers going back to the 1800s, that the pancreas uh, is, is a physiological component that is affected by mediumship. Some people say that the metabolism slows down when a medium is working. So that the energy, because the the body uses a ton of energy to metabolize things, um, so that the metabolism slows, digestion slows, and that energy is diverted to those higher centers of awareness. Um, I don't know whether that's true or not. Uh, Based off of what I feel, it makes sense to me. But so, you know, you finish your sessions and then you are like, wow, I'm starving and my sugar feels low and so I'm going to go get a frosty or a milkshake or um you know a hamburger whatever so because you're in that state you just want the quick and easy option and i know for myself as being someone who tends to eat not the best i get into these states where it's just like wow i my body needs something that's not been frozen or microwaved my body needs a warm home-cooked meal. Uh, my body needs protein or my body needs fresh vegetables. And just honestly taking the time to do that. So like I said, I'm not a cook. I don't really like to cook. I can follow a recipe and it turns out okay when I put the time and energy into it. But one of the things that I've uh, tried to implement in my life is on Sundays, which is my day off, I refuse to do anything on my day off. Uh, as part of that balance, part of that self-care. But on Sundays, I try to make myself cook a meal. So that's one of the ways that I'm trying to sort of tweak things and invest back into myself and take care of myself. I wanted to mention too, kind of going back to this idea of sustainability. Um, this transcript uh, from a a lecture from Leslie Flint, who some of you may know was a 
a direct voice medium. This is from the 70s. I'm not exactly sure what lecture or where it was at, if it was at the um, you know, College of Psychic Studies, if it was at Stansted, if it was at the Spiritualist Association of Great Britain. It was probably one of those, but it was some sort of lecture that was given, and it was about Leslie Flint um, really talking about the sustainability and the nature of mediumship. Now, before I go into this, I do want to clarify that Leslie Flint was a physical medium, which definitely does have a different um, taxing effect on the physical body. Uh, unlike, I don't want to say that uh, evidential mediumship or mental mediumship doesn't, because I do believe that it does, and some people will argue that it, it shouldn't, and I will give you some of my points of why I, I think that it does. Um but there is a difference. It does affect the body differently, and it can impact the health um, more dr- more dramatically. That being said, that caveat aside, Leslie Flint said, and this was from the 1970s, No medium can guarantee anything. There is no sitting ten times a day and giving everyone a little bit of this and a little bit of that. That's not mediumship. That's not spiritualism. That's nonsense. Real mediumship happens as it happens. If you're a professional medium, naturally, you have to have an appointment. You set an appointment for 11 o'clock, the person comes at 11 o'clock, and you sit in good faith. But there is no guarantee. You give people the opportunity to sit with you and hope and pray that they will receive some conviction, some message, some help, some comfort. But mediumship is not something that can be turned on like a proverbial tap. Any medium who gives you a sitting at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock is no damn good to anybody because you can be quite sure that it's not genuine. Because no medium can turn on the proverbial tap all day long, every hour. Somewhere something is radically wrong. Actually, a medium, I'll take myself, if I had my way, and if it were possible, I'd only sit twice a week, and that is once too much. I know that mediumship is necessary. People need mediums. They go to this one, they're searching, they're seeking comfort. And mediumship, if it's a good form of mediumship, is very much in demand. A medium will often fall into the trap of being overworked, overtaxed. There have been in the past remarkable mediums that have had wonderful powers, but when they can't produce results, fraud prevails. This has always been. The whole of spiritualism is strewn with fraud. This is tragic, but it's true. Many years ago, I used to do these enormous meetings, theaters, major town halls of England. Every night, one night stands, you might say, demonstrating to the audience direct voice phenomena. It nearly killed me. There came a time when I realized it was no longer pleasing. I could not continue, so I gave it up. And for 18 years, I withdrew from all public activity. I knew if I didn't do that, I'd lose my mediumship. And this is what has happened to so many in the past, but they still try to soldier on. They still try to give sittings and they fall back on platitudes. They fall back on stock characters and vague descriptions. They say, I see someone here. It must be your mother. Oh, your mother's living? Then it must be your grandmother. 
This is silly. You see, there is nothing wrong with spiritualism fundamentally. Nothing wrong fundamentally with mediumship when it is properly used and properly expressed. And the mediumship is guarded against all the weaknesses which do come with overtaxing the self psychically, mentally, and physically, and in a sense, spiritually too. We have a wonderful realization, but until we present it as it must be presented, until we do what we should do in an intelligent and kind way, and explain and express ourselves better about the whole thing, until we are straightforward and completely honest with everyone who comes to us in regards to the psychic, we should not make the progress that we should make. Until mediums can stand in the public and say, I don't see a thing, I don't hear anything, I'm sorry, and sit down, I'm sure people have much more respect for this sort of thing than a lot of nonsense couple thoughts um, that came in there. So what he's saying here is it's not that you can't have a day where you have appointment after appointment after appointment. He's saying that to be able to do that consistently every time in an ongoing fashion, A, is not healthy uh, to the psyche, and B, chances are you're probably not doing what you think you're doing because that's not how mediumship works. Um, and this really triggered something in me that felt right, which was I've been kind of, you know, I, I use the word almost like prostituting, prostituting my gift for so long or my talent, my capability, whatever you want to call it. I don't really care for the whole gift term. And I'm the type where if I don't get something, I will just say so and we can reschedule or I can refer you to somebody else. Um, but a lot of people won't do that or they will be working maybe partially psychically and they don't realize it or they're dependent on some other tool so maybe um, that they're not pulling as much from themselves so they can keep going and going but it is not st strictly uh, consistently mediumship in that regard if that is what is happening every single time and there never seems to be an issue even some of the greatest of the past had blank sittings, had off days, both physical and mental mediums. The other thing, too, that I wanted to touch on here was um, him talking about, I knew if I didn't do that, I'd lose my mediumship. I want to say that in some sense, I agree with this, and in some sense, I disagree with this. I disagree in the sense that a lot of time people are afraid of losing their ability once you have gained something, an accomplishment within a spiritual gift, it never goes away. You can't ever truly lose it because if you did, then you never really had it. So I don't think it's ever lost, but I do think that we can overtax ourselves so much that we do psychological and emotional damage to ourselves. And that gets in the way of us accessing that which is there. So in a sense, it does feel like we've lost that. I know I've been there before. Thankful to say it always comes back. Um, I think every medium has sort of felt like, oh my God, I've lost it. You've never truly lost it. But in the, um, in the context of Leslie Flint and in the context of physical mediumship, it is something that has been known to... Um, simply not work for someone anymore and because it's an external process it's much more much more obvious but uh, I just wanted to make that distinction and I wanted to make that caveat but uh, 
So I think that we need to consider the sustainability. I'm at this place now where I just, I I have limited myself to in-person readings. I'm no long, I no longer do the phone readings. Um, I do three readings a week. And I have th- one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. You can either make those times or you can't. I'm, I've decided I'm no longer bending over backwards for anybody um, within this. And it's because I want... I want it to be more organic. I want to offer communion and evidence of survival because it's needed, not just because someone's put money down on the table. And in that being said, there are times where I, I give freely of my time, of my services, of my energy. Um, and, and if I feel, I want to, I want to you know, I want to offer it just because I feel it, just because I want to, just because it's there if that person wants it and is open to it. Um, And when you're tired from doing a million readings all the time, you don't necessarily feel like doing that. You don't necessarily feel like being charitable or or doing those sorts of things. So like I said, I've, I've, I've got three a week and these are my spots and you either want the spots or you don't want the spots. I'm not stressing about it. Um, and I've put taken that time and I've taken that excess energy and I've really invested it back into my development. And this kind of comes back to a conversation that I was having with my friend Michael Mayo. Some of you may know, he's the author of, of Spirit Speaks. Um, he has the, the Oak, Ridge, uh, Oak Bridge Institute online learning for mediumship. I've, I've known Michael for well over a decade and um, he's a good guy. And we don't talk a, a, a super ton, but when we do, we, we catch up and we talk shop. And, you know, it, I was talking to him and he was just kind of coming out of a funk and I was sort of navigating a funk at the time. And he said, you know, one of the things that really helped me was when you're young in it, not age-wise, but experience-wise. Everything is still so new and exciting and and there's that love and, and over time it becomes commonplace and I think it is important to make sure that there is something in it for you. Not necessarily materially, not necessarily financially, but is it is the act of it, is the path of it still nourishing you, still exciting you, or, or, or what do you need to explore there? Um to get that back. And for me, you know, as I reflected on things, when I was doing a bajillion people a week and feeling like I was at the top of my game, I was sitting in circle and sat, sat in circle for about five years before the, the circle disbanded. And so getting back into putting a circle together that sits weekly has been part of me getting something out of it for me also and that has been really nice and also dedicating that energy to um, furthering my trance work which is something that has always been a passion and always there and was always sort of nagging in the back of my brain and so um, just quietly behind the scenes it's something that I put a lot of energy into uh, the development of and so having that as a circle has been really nice as a way of, of something in it for myself that, that nourishes me and feeds my spirit as a form not only of furthering my development, but of general self-care. 
there's other things too with self-care that I think is important. Um, I've noticed for myself too, I know we talked about nutrition and stuff, but I've noticed that B12 has been really helpful for me. And I think it's because as mediums, psychics, readers, um, a lot of the energy is felt, experienced, and interpreted. Yes, within the auric field and the etheric body, but um, within the physical body as well, especially through, I mean, our nervous system absolutely is affected. Um, And so B12 and nervous system support uh, vitamins and nutrients have been, I think, helping certain things that that I was experiencing as a result of sort of neglecting my well-being. I think that spirit workers need to get energy work or some sort of body work. Um, I think a lot of times people who are sensitive hold things in the physical body or even if it's just in the emotional body, sometimes it's felt within the physical body. And so massage can really, not only is it relaxing, but it can kind of help move stuck energy along. Um, you know, if you energy work, uh, go get a Reiki session, go get, you know, some, some balancing. I know there's a million different forms of energy work modality out there. Um, but investing in healing in that way. But I do also want to kind of point out that with self-care, it is not just taking a day off, doing a, a face mask, taking a bubble bath, which don't get me wrong, I love a face mask and a bubble bath. Um, but self-care is not just surfacey sort of things. Self-care is also looking at things that maybe are still stressful, that you don't want to look at, but that overall addressing and taking care of will contribute to the betterment of the quality of your life overall as a whole. And so that means, you know, things that you've been putting off, loose ends that need tied up, um, just addressing your basic needs. You know, you've got a a stack of uh, bills that need to be gone through, or, you know, you've been putting off making that dentist appointment. That is fundamentally important because it has a chain chain reaction if we tend to continually neglect them. So I just want to say self-care is not all bubble bath and face mask, but that can totally be a part of self-care. Big part two is unplugging. And I mean this in two different ways. I mean this in the way of stop psychicking, stop medium, mean and just be a human for a little while. Come down out of the clouds. Say bye-bye to the ascended masters. Send your spirit guides off to, you know, get a hot dog. And just be a human. Um, you know, play with your kids or your dog. Or watch trashy reality TV. Like, I love Below Deck. I love The Real Housewives. Um, I know that for myself, too, and like a lot of other spirit workers, I'm a big book person. I'm a voracious reader. I am a chronic researcher and pretty much every book in my house of which there are many is a spiritual metaphysical occult nonfiction and as a teenager I used to read a ton of fiction Um, and as I got older and more immersed into my spiritual work that that was a sort of a love of mine that fell away same thing with art painting drawing things like that so I've been making an effort to do that as well. Um, but finding, you know, switching up your genre a little bit, 
I think can be good for the mind and good for the psyche and good for the spirit. So I know personally for me, one of my favorite series of of books, you know, you can go back to the oldies. We all love Harry Potter or Twilight or (laughs) whatever it is that you like to read. Um, For me, the uh, I don't know if would you actually call the series Alice Hoffman, who was the author of the Practical Magic book, um, which was made into the the cult classic movie, um, but a few years back put out three other books as part of that whole storyline, and um, I absolutely adore Alice Hoffman's writings, even some of her other stuff non related to the Owen sisters. Um, fantastic stuff. So I've been reading those. If you like some witchy fiction, that's a that's a good one for you to look at and look into. But change up your genre. Do something out of the ordinary. Do something out of the routine. Can just give you a fresh perspective and be a good thing for investing back in yourself. Our attitude, I think, is the last thing that I'll mention because I've noticed that... Uh, the best podcasts tend to fall around the 30-minute mark, and I've just noticed here I'm right at my 30 minutes here. But I want to talk about our attitudes, of which I can have many. Um, but when it comes to being on a path of service, if you do neglect the self-care, and if you do overtax, and if you do overwork, what begins to happen is that service begins to feel like servitude. Service is beautiful. Service is wonderful. Servitude is a prison. Servitude is a slavery. And when you're in the attitude of servitude, it's only a matter of time before you fall into the attitude of victim. Um, But you can't be a victim unless you let yourself be in this particular context. So it doesn't have to be that way. You don't need to be a martyr for the spirit world. The Catholic Church has enough of those. So long story short, it's been nice catching up with you. Take care of yourself. Remember those basic body, mind, spirit balance. And just reflect, especially if you're a working spirit worker, healing psychic, medium, whatever. Am I... Am I honoring myself? Are my services honoring myself? And what do I think or feel is a sustainable pace or a sustainable degree of offering? And does it feel balanced or not? And if not, what do I need to change? So that's your homework. A little bit of reflection, a little bit of self-inventory, but I will see you guys, I'm sure, when the next inspiration sparks, probably after the new year. But I hope that you have safe and happy holidays and uh, best wishes. Thank you.